The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. You know, many times in the scriptures, Jesus uses metaphors to describe something or to make a point. Today we find Jesus preaching his Sermon on the Mount, at least part of it. And he's saying to us, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, when you got up this morning and looked at yourself in the mirror, did you see yourself as the salt of the earth, as the light of the world? How many saw that? One, two, I have three, really. Jesus is saying to us, this is who you are. This is who you are. They are symbols of who we are to be in the world. Salt and light. You know, Jesus used these symbols because people would have understood clearly and would have been able to see the connection between these things, these images, and the spiritual and the apostolic life. Let's take a look at them briefly. You know, salt, back in his day, was a very precious commodity. And it had many uses for the people of his day. Obviously, like today, salt was used to enhance the flavor of food, right? To bring out the richness in flavor that a meat or food had to offer. We all know the difference in taste between food that is not salted and food that is salted. Many of us go, you know, not many of us go without salt unless we have to for health reasons. Salt was also used to treat meats and fish so that the foods could provide nourishment for the people in a day without the advantage of refrigeration. There was no refrigeration back 2,000 years ago, so they had to use something to preserve the meat and the fish, that was salt. Salt was also used to purify and to cleanse. For this reason, sacrifices that were offered to God were traditionally salted before being offered. 
making them acceptable to God. It was also rubbed on new baby, newborn babies to strengthen them and to cleanse them. Salt was poured into wounds, though not very, a very pleasant experience, but it did purify, and if, if need be, it would cauterize the wound, pre- present, preventing it from the spread of any infection. You're starting to get the importance to see the importance of salt in the day of Jesus. It was so important to the people of that day that soldiers would get a portion of, of it with their pay. That portion called salarium is a derivative from the word in which we get salary. Right? Soldiers who were not conscientious in their work performance were regarded as not worth their salt. How many of you heard that phrase? Right? This is where it's coming from. Right? So we see the importance why Jesus is using that particular image to draw people into his mission, revealing to them this is who you are. This is who you are. Now, in a world without artificial illumination in buildings and on the streets, the light of a lamp could be seen from great distances. And they were welcome sights to, to, to travelers caught out in the, in the wilderness in the dark. And in a typical one-room house, a lamp would be placed in the center, on a, on a, on a central stand where it provided light for the whole house. Right? A city set on a hill would have been a symbolic representation of the city of Jerusalem to which the Jewish people, for them it was always a place to encounter God. So Jesus is using these, in using these metaphors, he's making an appeal, an appeal to his followers to live up to their calling, to live up to their vocation. Salt and light. He said, you are the salt of the earth. He didn't say become that. He said, you are that. You are the light of the world. He wants them to become and us to become who we are. You know, St. Catherine of Siena, she was one of the great doctors of our church. She once said, if you are what you should be, you would set the world on fire. How many of you are so filled with the Holy Spirit that you're setting the world on fire? Raise your hand. Really? Why is that? Think about that. If that's not who we are, then we're living a false identity. You're not living the identity in which you've been created to be. That's the challenge for all of us, to be alive in the Holy Spirit so we will go out and set this world on fire, a world that is becoming more pagan every single day. And the problem is we're, we're, we are allowing it to happen. And I look, when I think about the end of my life and I have to face the Lord, and he begins to question me about, how were you the salt of the earth? How were you the light of the world? How was your heart set on fire aflame with the Holy Spirit? We're all going to be asked those questions and held accountable for living the identity that God has, given, has created us to be. 
we should be praying every single day for the, a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That the, that, God, that the Spirit inflames our hearts with the fire of his love so we can go out and be that light in the world today. Otherwise, our culture is going to continue to become more pagan and more pagan and more pagan. And again, religion will have no voice in our culture whatsoever. We already see it happening. Huh? We already see it happening. You know, if we think that we all, you know, I, I think we would all agree that the fire, the light is pretty dim in our culture today. But the question we have to ask ourselves, how bright is that fire within each one of us? How bright is that fire within this parish community? How light is that fire in, the, in, the, in these 11 counties in the Diocese of Saginaw? How bright is that fire? In our world today, you know, as you know, many Catholics have diminished their faith to attending Mass on Sunday or something far less. That's it. And, you know, in the United States, we're kind of like the more fortunate ones. Less than between 25 and 30 percent of Catholics um, go to church on a regular basis. In European countries, it's like one, two percent, three maybe, if we're lucky. You know, how many people do you know that are not here on a regular basis? How many know people like that? When was the last time you talked to them about that? Or do you just, you don't care? We don't care. We don't care about their salvation because the light is not in us. Huh? Invite them back. Take the time to invite them back. Say, you don't know how much Jesus loves you and he misses you in this, in this congregation in this parish, and then let it go and let the Holy Spirit work on their hearts. But if we don't talk to them about it, we don't challenge them in a very gentle and loving way, that's a sign that, we're, that we're not, we don't really care that much about all the people that are not here that should be here. That's what that says. That means the, the fire of the Holy Spirit is not in us because this is what the Holy Spirit does. He goes out and claims people for Christ and brings them back into the fold. Huh? But it's tragic what is happening in our culture today. It's tragic. Because people, Catholics, don't see the relevance of an active faith life. That's tragic. You know, I recall a time, this was when I was back in, a, I think I was a vocation director or something years ago, and someone invited me to, um, to do a, a theology on tap, you know, where you kind of go to a bar or you go someplace and you have pizza and beer or whatever, and somebody comes in and gives a talk on something on spirituality. So, the topic for the presentation proposed to me by young adults was this. And this is the mindset of our Catholics today. What are the minimal things necessary to be Catholic? Seriously. Seriously, that's what they're thinking. They want to be Catholic, but they want to know what's minimal in order for that to happen. That's very sad. That's very, very sad. You know, but it speaks to the mindset of Catholics in our culture today. Whereas it should have been, what does it really mean to be Catholic? What does it really mean to be Catholic? You know, as Catholics, God has called you and me. He empowers us to go out and change the world, all of us. The brightness of the light within the community or the culture is directly proportional to the brightness of the light within each one of us. Plain and simple. Our holiness is only as good as the brightness of the light of Christ shining within each one of us. That's it. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Are you? 
Are you living that identity or a false one? Someone, something that you've created for yourselves. We are the light of the world. You know, Christianity or Catholicism is not a religion of ideas, but it's a religion of faith which propels people into action. It's a religion of sacrificing our lives for the sake of others. It's a religion of sharing our bread, sheltering, sheltering the oppressed, clothing the naked, denying ourselves for the sake of the needs of others. These are the things which Isaiah spoke about in the first reading today, about this is what it brings light to the community. This is what, this is what the light of faith is all about. For us Catholics, you and I, we can never be satisfied with just the way we are. If so, we will fall into complacency and mediocrity. You and I, we should never, ever, ever settle for a mediocre Catholic life. That is not what Jesus calls us to at all. Because that was not, where is it? That was not his life. He didn't, leave a medi- he didn't live a mediocre life, did he? No. And by saying you're a Christian, you're saying this. That's what we're saying. That we're not mediocre. That we want to stand out in communities. We want to change the world because that's what he did. He changed the world. He changed the world. You know, as Catholics in the midst of everyday life, we always have in mind our mission. What is that? It's the mission is how can I open God's kingdom to the world in which I live? You know, regardless of what it costs me. If we become satisfied just as we are, my dear friends, then the salt has gone flat. We've turned down the dimmer switch. Or maybe we've dis- disconnected ourselves from the, the power source altogether. And we need to reconnect to it. We do this by means of a daily committed life of prayer. We do this by the sacrifices we choose to make. We do it by the service that we give to the world. We do it by our full conscious active participation in the sacramental life of the church. You know, in a pastoral reflection on lay discipleship, that's you, lay discipleship for justice in in a new millennium, This this is what it says. I'm going to quote this. Catholicism does not call us to abandon the world, but to help shape it. This does not mean to leave worldly tasks and responsibilities, but transforming them. Catholics are everywhere in this society. We are corporate executives and migrant farmers. We are senators and welfare recipients. We are university presidents and daycare workers. We are tradesmen and farmers office and family workers, union leaders and small business owners. Our entire community of faith must help Catholics to be instruments of God's grace and creative power in business and politics, factories and offices, in homes and schools, and in all the events of daily life. Social justice and the common good are built up or torn down day by day in the countless decisions and choices we make. This vocation, your vocation, this vocation to pursue justice is not simply an individual task. It is a call to work with others to humanize and to shape institutions 
that touch so many people. The lay vocation for justice cannot be carried forward alone, but only as members of a community called to be the leaven of the gospel. That's us. We're called to be the leaven of the gospel. In other words, it's being what we should be so that we can set the world on fire. You know, God could have ridden the world of evil, right? And then there would be no poor people, and there would be no hungry people, there would be no thirsty people, then there would be no homeless people, there would be nobody who was oppressed and no afflictions. But God chose not to do this. Why? Why? He has allowed all of these types of people who are his children to be among us so that he could see what kind of faith we have, so that he could see how people of faith let their light shine before all, so that his glory, his glory could be manifested in the world through our works of mercy and love. Because again, as Jesus has said this morning, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So may our lives truly be salt, so that we might enhance the flavor of our culture, so that we might be a preservative of the kingdom of God, so that we might purify and if need be, cauterize the world, preventing the spread of further infection. You know, as imperfect we are, and we're all imperfect, but as, as imperfect as we are, God is asking you and me, each one of us, with all of our strengths and all of our weaknesses, to be light for the world. The light of Christians light the way. And not only that, they, they alight the way for others, bringing them back to the source of life, light, Jesus Christ himself. Again, in the beautiful words of St. Catherine, if you are what you should be and what you've been created to be, you will set the world on fire. So Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, inflame our hearts with new light, with your light. Lord, turn up the wattage of our light so that we will be beacons of Christ's light in the world wherever you might want to send us. Amen.